Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. the post weekend review show i'm your host ali and joining me this evening we have simon how are we fella uh very good thank you very much and we have finally after 633 months it feels like we have the returning <laughs> host legend writer just all-round good guy welcome back mr dave black how are we sir i'm very well thank you ali and all the better for that Wonderful introduction. Oh, it's great to have you back. I feel it's the it's the yeah. truth and key quick all, all over again. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's Finally. been a long time. Um, right, gentlemen, let's just get stuck straight back into the football. Um, uh, it's a miserable one for me. Well, she used to just swan along, so let's just get my misery out of the way straight away. <laughs> um, Man City four, Liverpool one. Um, Dave, it's been a while, so take it away. Um. I mean, so sort of deja vu with Liverpool, just can't get a grip in midfield whatsoever. Um, I've seen a reasonable plan of trying to hit City on counter-attack and obviously got the goal from that, but uh, City just kept passing through them and through them and through them. It was only about a time before they got one move spot on, which they did for the equaliser, and then as soon as they got the second goal at the start of the, of the second half, it was, uh, it was over pretty quickly after that. Um, as I said, we didn't really learn anything new from this Liverpool's midfield. Still needs to overhaul them. Um, Liverpool's full-backs were getting, well, I've seen Trent getting a lot of stick for the way he was sort of left dangling legs about trying to uh, trying to stop track Grealish, but when you're getting absolutely no protection from those in front of you, like, any natural instincts to go forward, you're obviously going to be left exposed. So, um, the whole system's broken down for Liverpool, especially away from home. Um, some games obviously they can they can deal with it, but uh, against someone like City they're, they're not going to be able to handle that, and uh, it was apparent on the day. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with you. anyway. The midfield's an absolute farce, which is the the running theme. Um, team selection choices are all over the shop, and yeah, it's just strange. Yeah, Trent's Trent's always going to get made the scapegoat. Um, him, he's the him this season. Van Dyke's been uh, our worst defender by a mile this season. Like a proper fall off a cliff. Um, Allison, I, I, I can't remember what goal. I've seen the clips of the goals, and there was one I felt he probably should have done better with. Possibly Grealish's. Can't remember. Um, uh, that, he, kind of, he kind of got like a little hand on Grealish's. I thought he probably should have cut out the De Bruyne one where it was played across the box. I thought he. 
might have anticipated that a bit more. But um, yeah. again, without Allison this year, we'd have probably been in the same situation. Everton um, head and shoulders. Uh, Sai, I mean, you must have been half delighted to watch Grealish in this. I mean, this was by far his best performance in a city shot. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think since. The World Cup, I think he's been very good for City. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... I, I always thought his first season w- would be a little bit of a struggle. I didn't think it would be as much as he would have done. But there's there's like been a number of wide players that, when they've gone to City, have taken a good season to settle in. And I think that's just kind of what's happened here. Like, I think... Cause, at Villa, because everything was just based through him solely, but pretty much he kind of had like a real free reign of things and like sort of go wherever he wanted, really, because he was by far and away our best player. And certainly for the first year that we were new uh, back in the Premier League, he was like the only real attacking threat of any quality that we had. Whereas at City, it's obviously it's a hell of a lot more sort of structured and, and detailed with, with the jobs that he's meant to be doing. And so it's kind of you know, it took him a bit of time to get into that, but yeah, and no, I think he's been really good since the World Cup, and I I agree. I thought his his performance on Saturday was the best I've seen him since he's gone there. And he, I mean, I agree with you that Trent Trent's always going to be made a scapegoat, but I did think he really did struggle against him, and I I don't think he's ever. And you're going to hate me for bringing this up again, but I don't think he's ever recovered since that 7-2 and Grealish destroyed him that night as well. And ever since then, I, I don't think he's ever been the same player. And I think what doesn't help, as we were sort of talking about before we started recording, is that midfield is just... It, it, it's completely lost the legs, which which allowed the defence to, to kind of be so high up the pitch. And you, you bought the best out of Trent having the midfield in front that can go and press the opposition. And when, when that can't, it exposes the weaknesses in his defensive game, but it also completely nullifies the brilliance that he's got in his attacking game. Yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. The, the midfields, like if you compare our midfield to the other 19 teams in the league, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find three worst midfields, four worst midfields. Um, it's it's diabolical. Um, I mean, on City they, they won that I can't know. Um, no Haaland in the team, um, which is great for them, um, for them. Uh, <laughs> obviously, ten games to go, ten nine nine for Arsenal, ten for City. Yeah, um, they are six eight, eight points behind. Um, how how tight can they make this? When do, do when do they play Arsenal? I know they've got to play them, but it's the end of this month. I think it's, uh, mm. it's a midweek game. So really, by the end of this month, I, f- I feel we'll pretty much know one way or another how, how the title race is going to go. Yeah, well, I think um, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll be you know we'll come on to Arsenal in a minute, but they I don't know if it's necessarily that Man City game that. That is the big thing for them because they could lose that game and still win the league. I think if they come away, they've got to go to Anfield on Sunday and they've got to go to St. James's Park, I think, in a few weeks. If they come away from those two games with six points, then then I think that, that'll be it then. Yeah, yeah I, they, they, I was going to say, they, they play us towards the end. It's in me anyway. And uh, I just think that... Um, 
No, they went there last season um, when they were in the, in the hunt for the top four, and they were abysmal. Um, and they got, hmm. you know, I think even Arteta said as much as the atmosphere got them on the night. And uh, I can't see a bit any different if we're in a position where we can be fighting for fourth or whatever position we're in the table at the time. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how much, if at all, Arsenal have grown since then because they've played well this season. Don't get us wrong, but they've won a lot of games like Atacanta, um, which, you know, fair play at them, but they've not really been in a pressure situation much, which is obviously credit to them. But when they played Man City, they were, I don't know, they played, made some terrible mistakes on the night and obviously got beaten that game. So, um, be really interesting to see how these last ten games go for them because they uh, they've had a history of bottling basically. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Arsenal, as you say. So um, I've got their fixture drop, so we'll, we'll come on to that when we go into their games. And they've got a few interesting in the next five or six games. It could be could be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean City are City, City are going to City. This is their usually their strongest time of the season. Would you be surprised if they win their next ten games in a row? Probably not. Like they seem to do. They'll bottle the Champions League, but stroll the league like they normally do. Um, next up, the first of the three o'clock games was a game that we just spoke about like pre-pod, and the results shocked me. But neither of you used to. So, right, Bournemouth two, Fulham one. Massive result for Bournemouth. Um, I mean, we as we were sort of talking about before we start recording, I think Fulham. They, they, they look like they're, they're sort of on the beach a bit now, and obviously the not having Mitrovic, I think is, is such a big thing for them. And I mean, I'm not sure if they've if there's been any announcement or anything on how long he's, he's going to be banned for or anything. But I think um, I I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of slipped down to maybe tenth or eleventh and, and sort of finished the season around there. And from Bournemouth's point of view. Huge, huge result for them. I mean, the the last game they played just before the international break, they uh, came to us and they were they were dreadful at Villa Park. But to be fair, they I mean they've been dreadful away from home all season. But it's their their home form has actually been, but it's, it's not been too bad. And you know, get getting coming from behind to win that when you know how tight it is down down the bottom of the league. It's a uh, yes, yeah, a huge win for them. I'd, I'd still, I, I would still, if you're asking me to pick three teams to go now, I'd still have them as one of it. But I mean, it changes every week. But um, yeah, I kind of, I, I wasn't overly shocked with this one. I've got to say, because because I think Fulham, as great a season as they have had, and and they've had an excellent season. You know, they, they're newly promoted team, and, and they're they're comfortably away from any sort of fear of relegation and they have been pretty much all season really so they've they, they've done well but, they've, but, but they, they have started to peter out a little bit and yeah I, I wasn't overly surprised to see Bournemouth come away with three points from that Yeah I totally forgot about the, the Mitrovic sending off I was wondering what the two years were talking about but Mitrovic <laughs> but I had to Google it oh yeah they're pushing the referee Um yeah, I mean, Dave, you were the same. You were kind of no surprise. Is it just no, no Mitrovic and Fulham are just a completely different outfit? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they've always had a great season, as Simon says, but um, this season looks like it'll probably peter out now, especially if uh, Mitrovic misses more than three games, which seems to be the likely. 
Has there been any like because normally with because that game was like two weeks ago now over two weeks ago I'm I'm shocked that there still hasn't been any sort of resolution to that. They just said that um, it would be they were looking into making it more than three games, but never really went into when or why that would happen. I mean, Marco Silva is also due a a lengthy ban. Um, He's requested a personal hearing, presumably so he can tell him to fuck off in person. Oh, we'll I'd, like, you know, I'd have so much respect for him if he did that. <laughs> um, but he's a very angry man, Marco Silva. I mean, he got banned for um, like yellow card accumulation as a manager. Like that's mad. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time ever. That I think it is. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think it is. Did did they not have the uh, the cut off periods for managers yellow cards like they do for uh, he's, players? He's, uh, he's actually got ten. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think um, Fulham, you know, fair play, had a good season, played nice football, but um, the the manner that FA Cup defeat for many reasons just probably killed them. Because to be fair, they all played Man United for 70 minutes, um, and then the madness happened, and it all seemed to finish their season off pretty much. So. <laughs> yeah, all the momentum gone. Um, as you say, massive win, Simon, for for Bournemouth points wise. Um, Four teams now tied on, on 27, but well, I mean, we'll come on to a couple of them later. Um, yeah, Fulham are safe, so I mean, it's irrelevant for them. Um, so I suppose it's all about just finishing high as they can for those extra hundreds of thousands of pounds, whatever it works out at per, per point. Um, right, let's come on to the, probably the, the most important team to talk about. Uh, Arsenal 4, Leeds 1, um, a, a bad day for, for Mr Ross Bell. Um, but I guess no more than you would have expected. Um, as you mentioned, Dave, Arsenal just they're, they're winning games comfortably. Um, they're not really having to to fight, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. But yeah, we four-one win here at home to to Leeds United. Um, yeah, and they weren't very good either for the first half an hour, by all accounts. But uh, once they got the first goal, I don't think the results ever really in doubt after that. Um, Gabriel Jesus is back and. Uh, Playing pretty well. Um, obviously missed, was it three months more or less? But um, having him back up top seems to seems to make them tick again. Um, I thought Enkedi did an okay job while he was out, but um, Jesus is a cut above um, with his link-up play as well as when he's in form in front of goal, he's obviously a lot better as well. But um, I didn't expect Arsenal to, to mess up this sort of game. You know, they've been very strong at home all season, really. Um, I said earlier, like they've kind of just cantered to a lot of wins, like kind of like sort of like, but like Wenger's Arsenal did. Um, they don't seem to have to play that well to win. Um, so obviously, some games they do play really well, but other games they just do enough. Um, there's only a finite number of teams can can really trouble them and beat them. Um, and as you said earlier, they've actually got a lot of them coming up. So uh, I don't think it's done just yet. Uh, I think there's plenty of miles left in the title race, but. Considering Arsenal have got nothing but the league to play for now, um, you'd be kind of surprised if they didn't win the league from here. But at the same time, I don't think City are going to lose many games this time of year either. Yeah, well, that's it. It's, I mean, City have been here before the last, well, three of the last four or three of the last five with Liverpool. They've had to put on runs and they've managed it. So, um, before I bring you in, Simon, just for, for context, and you can. Talk about it for your thing. Arsenal's next six games 
I mean, you only really need to talk about five, I guess, because Southampton are in there. But <laughs> they are away to Liverpool, um, away to West Ham, home to Southampton, away to City, home to Chelsea, and then away to Arsenal. In fact, you could go one step further. They've got Brighton the week after that as well. Um, obviously, only leaving two games of Nottingham Forest and Wolves. So, it's a nice final two games, but those those seven um, are massive games for them. Yeah, I mean, you look on paper, Liverpool away and West Ham away in the next two. They, they're the type of games that, on current form, you'd expect Arsenal to go and win. But I don't think either of them are guaranteed. Look, they're tricky fixtures to have, but I mean, I'm I'm still of the opinion that I think City will win it because I do think Arsenal will drop. I don't, I think Arsenal will lose at City, and I do think they'll drop some points elsewhere. But since they lost to City, I think they've won the the the, uh, the following seven games in a row in the league. It's they, they've got themselves into a really good run of form. Um, it's it's a tough one to I I I think it is now I think it's now kind of really fifty fifty um as as to who's going to win this league just the experience that Man City having it is sort of leading me more towards them but as the games keep getting ticked off you know it's it's looking more and more likely that Arsenal will do it as I said I think I. I don't think their game against City, it'll be billed in the media as a big title decider. I actually don't think that necessarily is one. It's more, if they come away from Liverpool and Newcastle with six points in those games, then I think they'll win the league because I'd expect them to win all their other games that, that you mentioned in that list, with the exception of City. Similar, similar thought, Dave? You, you on that? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's bubbling up nice to be honest like I mean it's uh, you, know, you know as a neutral in the title race you want them to be big games and uh, it's pretty nicely poised to be honest you've got I'd rather have the, as a neutral be in the position where City are chasing them because uh, if it had to be any other way around I don't think Arsenal would be catching them um, goes out saying, but, um, so no I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out just watching how he can take a penalty apologies I feel if Arsenal were chasing they would have finished fourth <laughs> Fair <laughs> <laughs> um, point. Yeah, it's it's just facts. We've seen it. We've seen it time and time again. Um, right, we'll move on to the next game. Maybe the most entertaining game of the weekend, scoreline wise. Um, Brighton and three, Brentford two. Uh, Brentford three, sorry. Um, but this, I mean, this game was always really going to kind of end up like this, isn't it? Really, the way both teams have been playing just now. Yeah, it's it's kind of. Um, You've got two teams that play that everyone kind of like. I think most neutrals would say that you know they they, they both play like decent football, but Brighton sort of is more your nice passing build-up game. Brentford's go a little bit more direct to Tony, and why wouldn't you? But it's still it's not boring to watch though. I still I quite like watching them. So yeah, I kind of I expected this to be to be a decent game and. You know, turned out that it was quite a good game, and I think draw probably was a fair result. Um, Brighton, I think, well, I'm sure, even though they they came, they they got the equaliser very late on. Then going into the game, they might be disappointed that they didn't take the win, just purely because of the position they're in in the league, and and you know they they've got a real good chance of of 
of European football next season. They've got a couple of games in hand on most teams. So they might be slightly annoyed that they that they drop points. But um I mean you just two really well run football clubs with a very sort of set identity of the the players they want in at the club and the recruitments that they have. It's um and I mean they've both had outstanding seasons really. Because I, I think around this time last year we, we, when we were talking about Brentford, we were sort of saying, yeah, they'll stay up this season, but I, I think they'll struggle next year. And, I mean, they've proved all of us wrong, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just to go back a few months, I mean, we were all probably worried about Brighton. <laughs> um, yeah. When, when, when Potter left, and I mean, uh, I think Brighton fans might be gloating a little bit. <laughs> after this weekend. I mean, the um, Derby, he didn't win his first five or six games from did he? I mean, granted, I think were, it was a tough run when he came in, but um, we all said, like, ah, oh, it's it for Brighton now. Um, <laughs> but he's absolutely doubled down and they play probably probably the nicest football in the league. I'd say so. I think they're the most... And I mean, not only are they like a joint to watch, they're, they're very, apart from this game, they're very defensively sound. <laughs> yeah. And I think that they're... they're um... They're an easy team to like as a neutral as well, isn't mm. they? Like, they, there's no, there's no real. I, I can't see. I think I said this before. Other than Crystal Palace fans, for some weird reason, I don't really understand. Like, there's no, there's no other clubs that, like, set of fans I can think of that that would like really, really hate Brighton. They're certainly not in the Premier League anyway. So, I, I think most people quite like them as a club. And, and as you say, that the, the football they play. In terms of like just entertaining to watch from a neutral point of view, you're right. This they're way up there in terms of the best in the league, really. I think certainly in terms of like obviously you know City on their day play wonderful football, but they've also spent like a billion a billion pounds to get there. Whereas like Brighton have got Solly March playing like prime Iron Robin, so yeah. Like, <laughs> it's all That's it. levels. Really. The, the the recruitment. So, well, well, I think you're right that. that I think that is a factor that that adds into why they're so likable because they haven't got billions and billions to spend. You know, they they have to be really clever with their not just the people they they get in, but I mean, fucking hell, if you want someone to negotiate a deal for you, get Brighton to do it because how oh, they got sixty million for Cucurella, twenty million for Neil Mopay, <laughs> uh, fifty million for Basuma. You know they they know how to negotiate, don't they? I'm, Alan Sugar should be uh, on the lookout for the new apprentice from that's there. The, that's the thing, and what's what's weird is that like all these players have left them who were really good for Brighton, and they've done nothing at the clubs they've gone to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, I feel like the team have hired Liverpool's old one. Liverpool used to be really good, getting a lot of money from from teams. Now Brighton are managing it, but that'll be the key thing this summer for Brighton is holding on to those top players, um, or I, as we say, being very, very good at getting the most money whilst replacing for much cheaper. Well, interesting because we've obviously nicked the sporting director since last summer, um, Dan Ashworth. So I don't know how much an effect that'll have. I mean, they've obviously done good business since they left, so I mean, they've obviously got a decent replacement in, but. Um, you know, to say how many of the the targets we knit, we end up signing. So when we sign hmm. three Ecuadorian left backs, you'll know why. 
Newcastle are going to start ticking off the <laughs> the oh, United Nations. <laughs> uh, right, next up. Uh, oh, this is might be my favourite game of the weekend. Take it back. Um, Crystal Palace <laughs> two, where they're returning Roy Hodgson. Is this his second game? Oh, even better. What a manager bounce. Um, <laughs> Crystal Palace two, Leicester one. Um, which led ultimately to the greatest day in my life. Brendan Rogers finally, after a year and a half of me saying it, has been fired um, or mutually agreement um, of a Andy's contract. Um, I did find it. I don't even know if it's the right time. I, I don't know. It should have been done a while ago, but yeah. Um, I mean, Dave thoughts on Palace bringing in Roy. Um, the, the game in general, and then was it the right time for for our Brendan to to go? Um, I mean, Palace bringing back Hodgson, I think, is a very negative move. Um, he, he probably will keep them up, but I think Vieira probably would have kept them up. Like, I don't really know what it achieves bringing back an eight hundred year old man. To <laughs> it's it's like. Palace's parents have been told they're not allowed to look after kids anymore and they've just brought back old granddad to look after them because, you know, he, he knows where the cereal cupboard is. Like, there's no point. He's not going to achieve anything with them other than he'll, they'll stay in the league where they already were and presumably they'll go and replace them in the summer. But we said that, I mean, we said this in, in, the, in the WhatsApp, I don't know if you mentioned this on air or not, but... Under Vieira, Palace were playing the dullest football since Roy Hodgson was there. Like It's not like they suddenly got less entertaining. They were just really, really dull all the time. Um, and it's not like they haven't got the players to be better, like Eze, Elise, Zaha, um, are all perfectly capable of, of playing attacking football, I would have thought. Um, and it's not like, you know, the defence isn't terrible. Like Gay is an England national. Uh, Anderson I like quite a lot. Um, very aggressive, but also very good. Um, so it's not like they needed to shut up shop to keep the centre house protecting like that. You know, they just chose to play this really dull brand of football, and ultimately Vieira got fired for it. But um, I don't think Hodgson is the right move. I think they should have thought outside the box and brought in a more progressive manager. Because realistically. I don't, I don't think they're going to be fishing in like a particularly big pond for the next manager. Like it's not really the Palace way. Um, I imagine the next manager will either come from the Championship or they'll take a punt on someone like um, the Celtic manager. That seems like the type of thing Palace would do. Um, but I don't think Hodgson's a good, a good move for them right now. Yes, I mean Simon for yourself. It just. Yeah, really, really strange. Um, you know, yeah, he'll he'll probably keep them up, but I think Vieira. I, I agree with Dave. I, I think Vieira would have. And then yeah, you th- you think, yeah, you you kind of you, you think so in the summer. You think okay, well, what move are they going to make managerial wise? You've you've got two two options that really in terms of like who would realistically go to Palace. One of them is one of your old school British managerial merry-go-round managers, but Palace have, have had all of them and, you know, they're, they're, on, they're, they're on the second round, it seems, at the moment. Or you're going for, like, a young, inexperienced manager like you already had with Patrick Vieira. Um, 
you know, just it, I would have I would have kept with him, and then maybe see how he started the next season because you know how how these managers meant to get experience unless they're allowed to go through sort of these challenging times. So yeah, it's a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a strange one, but. I must admit, when I was when I was watching Match of the Day and um, they interviewed Hodgson, I, I did have a little smile on my face. For oh, it's nice to see Roy back and seeing Ray Lewinson still in his, wearing his shorts on the sidelines as well as his assistant. I did kind of think, oh, yeah, fair play. Go on, I'll, I'll allow that, Palace. <laughs> it's, it's just strange, though. It's just... Let him just enjoy his retirement. Just leave him alone. Like bringing back this mummy from the dead. Just let a rich beast. Like, it's just getting... Um, but, yeah. yeah. I, I, look, I agree completely. I, I just found the... I was fine with the sacking if they were going to replace him with the manager that they wanted to go into next season with. But... Mm. The, the, the Hodgson one was actually weird, but it's not really. It's kind of like nobody's thought. It was exactly what we thought would happen. Um, yeah, but I mean, I mean, yeah, you just made a good point there that you would have thought if you're gonna you're gonna do it like Sapphira. I know that they're in you know the the relegation fight, but they you look at the fixtures they got coming up. It's all against the teams below them. So and they've got they have got much better players in attacking areas than a few of those teams down there. So I think that they, even though technically they are in it, I, I, I think they were always kind of going to be all right. So so why not? Like you say, identify who you want as the manager to be there next year, and just give him ten games just to have a little, you know, assess the squad. Did we? I can't remember if we discussed it on here. Did we discuss the the company? Interview regarding uh, Vieira's sacking. I think we did. Yeah, yeah I think we did. Yeah, I, th- I thought we did. I couldn't remember. But, like, I mean, he, his points were were bang on, and it's pretty much what we're all saying. Like the the run of fixtures they had, the players they've got. Um, like judge them, judge them after like five more games with those players back and mm. playing against teams that you know they should be getting points against. But I mean, Dave said like the, the football was was terrible. But are they going to get much better football at Hodgson? <laughs> like this is the again, this is the strange one. Um, on on Leicester, where where do they go from here? Apart from hopefully the championship. Arsenal in huge trouble. I don't really understand why you would wait after an international break to sack your manager, like. Surely he was this close to being binned, you would have done it when he had two weeks to sort it out. Like, yeah. let's look at a game in, in like tomorrow. Yeah, yeah they're, they're playing good. They're playing good uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Well, sorry for you, isn't it? But I just find it really odd. Um, with the, with the, yeah, this, this, like, I was chatting with my brother today on the, that exact point there. Like, we're saying, say, you know, because he was, was like a 94th minute winner. Uh, uh, for Palace on the weekend if that game's 1-1 would they necessarily sack him maybe maybe not but then say if they'd have if, if they had you know had managed to hold on for that point and then I mean, I'm not saying we will I'm hoping we do but say we go and turn them over tomorrow 
then he probably would have got. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think just just the timings that I've all been mean, with. I mean, I'm sure we will come on to a, another sacking later. But I think I think the timing has been very odd. Like you say, that you've just had an international break. Yeah, very strange. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll come on to it more when we discuss that next sacking. Um, we'll move on to that. We'll go on to Forest Wills. Um, one-one. Um, I don't know if you've even seen. For me, it's a typical Wolves performance in Forest 976 players. Um, is there much to discuss in this game? I think we should probably talk about the, uh, the spitting and non-spitting incident. Have you seen this? Yeah. I was very, yeah. very shocked that he got away with that. Well, it seemed like they went the speedometer and couldn't find any, and that's how he got away with it. But, like, I mean, what else was he doing? Yeah, I mean, with that as well, I heard, um, I heard someone say earlier, if the player swings a punch at someone, if, if, if they miss, you're still going to get sent off. <laughs> like, he, uh, yeah, he looks like he does. But then you think, had he spat in his face, surely, like, Brennan Johnson would have made like a huge massive deal out of it so I, I don't know it, it yeah just it looked didn't look right to me and I, I was I was shocked that he got away with it but yeah it's a weird one what VAR making a, a strange decision who knows well since Howard Webb came in VAR seems to become like a uh, I really don't want to get involved in this so you know don't wake us yeah. <laughs> since, since Lee Mason's gone the carnage is there uh, it's gone. There's no decision made at all now. <laughs> They'll just look at each other. I just watched that incident. <laughs> it uh, looks fairly conclusive. <laughs> what he's what he doing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, not not a good result for either team, really. No, I no. mean, I guess it doesn't matter for Wolves as such. I I think I know you guys were different the other week, but I think they're, they're I just don't see them slipping down enough. Bournemouth, yeah, they probably could have done with the three points massively there. Sounds stupid because there's only a point between them, but I just feel Wolves are that boring team. They'll pick up enough of these one points. Yeah, well, bent on, on getting rid of Steve Cooper as well. Sorry, Sam. Um, mm. I've seen loads of reports recently that like, oh, if you lose this weekend, you're going to be sacked. Um, which seems a bit unfair considering they're uh, like not in the bottom three. Yeah, I, I, I saw those reports and did think, that, yeah, it's a bit odd. I mean, they they have. I think the last few weeks, I think they have really, really got off the boil and and are starting to look like they're in serious trouble. But I think I think he's he's popular with the players. The fans absolutely love him. I think if they, I, I think that they, that's that would be a managerial change. I think would be a huge mistake for them to make. I, I think so. I don't, I don't, again, I feel at this stage of the season, like unless you're going to bring in those tried and tested <laughs> managers, but I feel the only one that is worth signing now was the Deitch one. Um, obviously, he went to to Everton, as I totally forgot about. But like, he's a manager who's who's still, you know, recent in the game. You're not bringing in like a dinosaur. Yeah. 
nine at the back and scrape points. Really, unless you know, unless you're changing for the manager that you want for the next season, regardless if you go down or not. I, I do feel even looking at managers at this time of year is a very strange one. Unless you're on like twenty losses in a row type mm. type form, and you know, and something just needs to change, but. I feel changing for the sake of changing for like a forest, especially Forest, who's had like we've basically made fun of them <laughs> like since yeah. started with their signings. I mean, this how how do you figure out um, that best eleven? Um, but I, I don't know. I just feel I feel Forest have enough quality in their team to try and get points, but. I feel that it's, it's what's going to like games like this where they're against teams who are round about them is where they really, really need to pick up points. Um, I'm just having a look at their fixtures coming up. Um, so their next fixture, so they've got Leeds next again, so that's a game that they really want to be looking for points. And then they've got yourselves, Simon, Man United, Liverpool, Brighton, Brentford. Um, not, not ideal. Um <laughs> Where Southampton, Chelsea, <laughs> Southampton, Chelsea, Arsenal, and then finishing with Palace at the end. Um, yeah, that, that's not looking great for them in their last ten games. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they. I think they could be. Yeah, I, I think they could go. You, you look at that fixture list. And then you think the drop points to Wolves on the weekend and yeah. when they drew at home to Everton as well a couple of weeks ago, 2-2. Two, two. Like I said, they're games that they really need to win because their way for them is absolutely dire. They, they, I think they have to go and win at Leeds, uh, either, whether it's tomorrow or Wednesday, not wherever night is. They've got to go and win that game because you look at the running games they got after, on paper, you wouldn't see them picking up many points. Yeah, I feel they're going to need a lot of favours from other teams. Hmm. <laughs> right, last game of Saturday, um, and a certain member of the panel will be very disappointed in this game, I'm very sure. 8-0, um, <laughs> yeah, Aston Villa 2, Simon. Um, and a very comfortable 2-0 at that. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's one of those games that if you just if you hadn't watched the ninety minutes, you just purely looked at the stats, you'd think Chelsea absolutely like battered us and it was a real onslaught. But I I never felt at, at any stage in that other than the opening two or three minutes when we nearly gifted Mudrick a goal, um, but luckily he shit. We. Um, we <laughs> I, I never felt like in any real danger. Even I think not long after that, in the first ten minutes, obviously Watkins got put through with a lovely ball from McGinn and just sort of great first touch, but his second touch was poor and he snatched at the shot a bit. But I just kind of the, the form that Watkins has been in the last few months. When he missed that, you know, a couple of months ago, they'd been like, "Ah, oh, bloody hell, Ollie, what's happening?" But I, I just thought he's got to get another chance and sit that one away. Now. Admittedly, I didn't think his chance would be set up with the perfect header from a Chelsea <laughs> centre back. I mean, and, and, <laughs> Christ knows what, what he was trying to do there. Um, but uh, I mean, it was a lovely finish from Watkins. To be fair, I, I, I thought I, I thought Kepa made it easier for him as well. I mean, he started coming out 
and then just stops and you, you know as a keeper you knock yourself there you either you either fully commit or you don't come out at all but now it's a lovely finish from him and then I, I just thought that we looked really comfortable I thought Chelsea they did have a couple of chances but Martinez was in top form again he made a couple of really good saves as soon as we went 2-0 up uh, I'd I, I turned to one of the mates. I was watching. There's a. I was out uh, watching the game in Birmingham on Saturday. I turned to my mates. Well, that's game over. I, as soon as we went two and up, I thought Chelsea, they're going to struggle to get one past us, let alone two. And uh, the the turnaround we've had under Emery has been astonishing. And I don't think, uh, I don't think he's he's really had the credit that he deserves. In the uh, you know amongst the sort of the national media and and pundits as well, I think we've kind of just sort of gone under the radar a bit, which to be fair, I don't really mind. But the last five games now, since since we we had obviously that three game losing streak, we conceded eleven. But even even then, on you know the pods that we did after those games, I I kind of said then I I wasn't nervous or anything because it wasn't. It was it was silly individual errors that were costing us goals rather than a poor setup or you know wrong formations. But since that run of three defeats, we've won four and drawn one of the last five. Only conceded one goal, and that was a soft penalty. We know Mings and Konza have been exceptional these last few weeks. Well, to be fair, Mings has actually had a very good season in general overall. But Konza's kind of finally getting back to the level that he been showing a couple of years ago um the midfield Douglas Louise has been has been excellent this season especially since Emery's come in he's been really really good McGinn is getting he's got back to his best as well now that he's got a, a proper manager playing him in the right position and using him correctly um I, I mean I was astonished that that was McGinn's first goal for Villa since November 2021 uh, you know, when you think of the amount of goals he scores for Scotland, every every time he goes away from Scotland, he's on the bloody score sheet. But <laughs> been a while for us. But no, yeah, like you said, I, I thought it was a really, really comfortable, comfortable game for us. I mean, yeah, Chelsea had a couple of chances, but you kind of expect that. I, I thought when I saw the starting lineups of the two teams and I saw how they were set up defensively. I mean, I fancied us before the game anyway, just because of the form of, that both teams have been in. When I saw the starting lineups, I thought, well, I can get Jacob Ramsey running at that back three, get Watkins on, on Cucurella, and, and, and we'll get chances. And yeah, it's, everything's going really well at the moment. I mean, as, as I say, the job, the job Emery's done, when he took over 14 games into the season, we were 17th and we were two points off the bottom of the table. We're now two points off sixth, albeit Brighton have got a couple of games in hand. It's it's been a hell of a, tu- a hell of a turnaround. That's that's come so much quicker than than I was expecting it to come, and I'm I'm I'm, re- I'm really really interested to see what will happen in the summer now with us, and and see where we can go, and to be honest, see what we can still do this season. You know, a top top seven or eight finish is not out of the question at all. No, absolutely. This is the villa that I said were should have been pushing for top four, top five, top six at worst. Um, 
probably at the start of the season when I was slating how bad Gerard, how bad a job Gerard was actually doing. Uh, I mean, Dave, thoughts on this and how much turmoil are Chelsea had? Obviously, we know at the end of this game, Potter was was sacked. But like, where did he go from here? I mean, obviously, I'm delighted because you know my feelings on this uh, oh, stupid club. But I, I guess I don't understand why why you'd bring a manager in who was obviously going to be a project manager in the sense that like they were never going to get it right within two or three weeks or two or three months. It was always going to take probably four or five transfer windows. So at the start of Bagram and they bought in a lot of players and Grandy bizarrely didn't pick most of them on Saturday and decided to play Reese James and Cucurella seven and a half, which is probably unforgivable in itself, but anyway. Um and then the Sagram, like at the first sign of a bit of trouble, like I don't get it. I mean, he's got him in the Champions League quarterfinals, hasn't he? Like, I mean, that's probably worth keeping around for. Um, yeah. And now what happens? They go and hire someone else who's going to spend another three million. Um, and he doesn't hit the ground run. Does he get sacked as well? Like, I mean, it was only a few weeks ago he was saying that you know we were all believing in Mr. Potter and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And it's like, well, you haven't, have you? So. It's just it's daft, but at Chelsea going to Chelsea, even even with a new owner, like it, turn, it turns out, having lots of money does not make people smart. So, <laughs> who who do we think we go for next? I mean, your guess is I mean, just mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nagelsmann would be the the. Uh, um, Lewis. I think he, he's the favourite now, isn't he, Nagelsmann? Is he? But, yeah, but oh, I no, mean, no, no, no. It's, it's kind of, like you said, you can't, you'd have to, obviously they're always going to be a, an attractive opposition for a lot of, ma- attractive, uh, you know, a p- position for a lot of managers just because the money and, you know, the, the, you know what they've won over the last sort of 15, 20 years. But, You'd, I think, I, I think managers now will be a lot more wary about going there than they would have been a few months ago because you look at, you've clearly got an owner there who hasn't got a fucking clue about anything to do with football or what he's doing. You look at <laughs> last summer they gave what two hundred and fifty million to spend, mm. and then a, a week after the transfer window ends, they they get rid of him. And and then you bring in a manager like you said, who who who's clearly going to need a bit of time to implement, you know, his way of playing and stuff like that. And then the amount of money, amount of players bought in in January as well. I mean, I, I'm I'm not convinced that half of those players were people that that Potter would have wanted in that club at all. And, and you know, I was I was chatting to my mate who was watching the game with on. On Saturdays, a Chelsea fan. I was saying to him the same point that we like, said on here: six hundred odd million pounds in the last two transfer windows. I cannot, for the life of me, see where that money's gone because they're, <laughs> and it, it's it's incredible. And also, the most mental thing is all that money spent, and at no stage did it seemingly occur to anyone. Fucking hell, lads! We we should probably sign a striker. <laughs> and honestly, that they're mess and mess at the moment. 
Uh, I'm not in a position to slag off recruitment. Um, <laughs> give or take, we buy 95 left-wingers. But um, the only thing I disagree with everything you said, Simon, is they, they, they will get any manager they want because they'll pay stupid money and every yeah. manager will have a go in with an ego like, I'm different. Yeah, yeah. I, I can sort this out. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's so... I mean... I, I'd be fascinated to know how much Chelsea have spent, like, forget the player recruitment, on manager recruitment and firings hmm. uh, over the last, I don't know, five, six years. I mean, that's just been generous, like, but um, it's just, I said at the time, Potter should never have went. I, I get the logic that you never know when this job is going to come up again, you know, like, it just took one bad run of form for Brighton and his stock level would fall right down. The only thing, that, and I made the point at the time, does this hamper Potter's managerial career anyway? Even saying he goes to, uh, I don't know, say he goes to Palace next season and even does well, you know, gets them back to Brighton levels, sitting seven feet, playing nice football, etc. Does a big club take, take the gamble on him? Four or five years down the line, three, four years down the line. I think he'd have to win something now. Wouldn't he? He'd have to, he'd have to win a trophy or, or get a team like that into Europe. I, I think to get another cracker, uh, a big job now. I think we all said the same thing, didn't we? He needed a job in between Brighton mm. and Chelsea, which was going to be an Everton or a Leicester or a West Ham or you know one of those like established clubs who want to push up a level without being in a relegation scrap. Um, and I think he probably still could. I mean, obviously, there's been rumours today that Leicester have approached him and he's said no, um, which is fair. I think having three familiar clubs in the season is just greedy in it, really. So, <laughs> um, But if, you know, let's assume Leicester stay up, which is obviously a big assumption right now, but just as an example, if they stay up, um, he's the ideal manager for someone like that, I would have, I would have thought. Yeah, I'm not I, a million I, miles away from the way they play now, anyway. I, I, I think I can't remember if it was me or Carl said this a couple of weeks ago that you you wouldn't be surprised to see Potter as as Leicester manager next season. Do, do, mm. Where do you think Potter's ego sits now, though? I don't think he's an ego manager particularly. Um, I just wonder if you feel that's just such a step down. I think I mean, you can't possibly expect to go. Yeah, you can't possibly expect to go up or even sideways after this. Like he's he's going to have to go up a few levels again. Um, like I say, I think Leicester's an absolute perfect job for him. Um, so long as you stay up, as you say, that's there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, of course. Um, I think he could go there. I think if um, someone like West Ham. They're, they're, they don't have the patience, I don't think. Um, oh, they I seem see. quite, an angry, quite an angry bunch down there. <laughs> um, but there'll be plenty of jobs like that. Um, do you wonder if Palace yeah. would be a... I, I think he could do better than Palace, to be honest. Um, I mean, hypothetically, right? Let's say Klopp walks in the summer. Would you have a, would you have a Liverpool? Absolutely. I don't think Liverpool would make a move like that though but I but I think what what you could have is say if one of say if um, 
like Thomas Frank moved on from Brentford to yeah. a bigger job or or deserve no no, no please would not go back to Brighton but, uh, but no like Brentford like say say if he moved on that I think could be a nice level club for him to go back into or but I agree with you I think Leicester if they were to stay up I, I think they'd do well to get to get him in I think he'd do a good job there. For what it's worth, you mentioned them earlier, and that's who I want at Liverpool as well. I want the Celtic manager. Really? Yeah. I just love the style of football. I love everything about it. Um, the job I might know, be a bit different. It would just be fun. <laughs> I think, I think playing attacking football in the Scottish Premier League with that set of players is quite easy. And they got absolutely done it in the Champions League, didn't they? But, I mean, obviously, you know, the players will be better at you, but I don't know. He... He probably needs a job in between as well. But I'm not even watched all game with Klopp in charge. <laughs> well, that's true, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be like, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, Chelsea are a diabolical club. It's delighting to see them blowing up. Um, I, I I do feel for, but I said at the time it was just one of those. Just as you say, you almost needed that step in between, but. Unfortunately, Brighton were flying so high on the Potter that it would have felt like a step down what club he went to, even though <laughs> top side it wouldn't have been like, it's like I, I get the sentiment, but like for him jumping to a, a Leicester from Brighton would have felt like a massive step down, even though it wasn't club-wise and the success Leicester have had. But yeah, it will be, it'll be interesting. Uh, I hope he takes just takes some time out and takes some time away. Um Unlike you know what Dean Smith did at yourself, Simon, you know just yeah. enjoy the enjoy the rest of the season, become a pundit, you know go on TV every now and again and talk about your philosophy type stuff. Um, just stay away from coaching and that until at least over the summer and get a lay of the land. I mean, certainly, you, you if you are going to jump into a job straight away, you don't jump into a job of a team that are in. Real shit, do you? You jump into a comfortable <laughs> one, which is yeah, yeah, you get a part of the blame, regardless, you know, even if the work's done, yeah. Um, right, let's move on to Sunday, um, where we have a massive three points for West Ham, um, in this game. I know it's only Southampton, but as we, we mentioned, uh, we're not in the forest, it's, it's about beating the teams. Who you have to be, or who you're expected to be, and this is a it's a massive three points for for West. I'll come to you, Simon, since the the last game is Dave's beloved Newcastle. So, yeah, a massive only one nil, but takes them to fourteen with twenty seven points now. Yeah, no, yeah, huge win. I mean, um, I I think had Southampton won that, I I, I think there could have been a hat trick of sackings yesterday. To be honest. And, in the Premier League, I think I think boys, I think he's still on a bit of a sticky wicket, and that that game, if they'd have lost, I'm not so sure he'd still be in charge uh, tonight. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it wasn't a great game at all, but let's be honest, was anyone expecting it to be a good game of football when you look at the two teams who playing each other? I think it's as is as good a result as is for West Ham. It's an even more damning result for Southampton because there's. They're starting to now look like they're getting adrift a little bit. I mean, you can say it's only four points between them and safety, but when you've lost the amount of games that they've lost and they've played a game more than most of those teams around them and you look at their goal difference, I think that's 
that's a really bad one. I mean, they've got they've got Man City at home on the weekends. They've got um, the next one, two, three, the next five games. They've got City at home, Palace at home, Arsenal away, Bournemouth at home, Newcastle away. You know, they've got to beat Palace at home. They've got to beat Bournemouth at home. But even if they do, I I don't think that's going to be enough for them. I I, I think I think they're pretty knackered now. I mean, to be honest, all season we've all thought that. They've had they picked up the odd result here or there, but they they they've just got they they're just too inexperienced and a real lack of Premier League quality. But for West Ham, like you say, even though did there's four teams that hold tied on twenty seven, they're only a point above the relegation zone. But there's three teams in between them, and their goal difference is significantly better than a number of those teams around them as well. So, yeah, huge win for them. Dull, really poor game of football, but they won't care. Or the fact they've got the three points has lifted them out of the bottom three up to fourteenth. Uh, huge for them. Yes, at this stage of the season, performances are almost irrelevant. For the yeah. Teams in the Just getting those points, um, as you say, the points. You know, it doesn't take them many points above, but a couple of games in hand to have those points in the bag plus games in hand, um, like. They're in a very, very strong position, um, you'd like to think. As you say, there's just too, I feel there's just too many teams between them now. Uh, one, two, three, four, three. Yeah. Teams in the relegation, plus the games in hand, as you say, the goal difference has been better. Arguably, we've got a couple of more quality players in the team that, you know, if they can put in even, you know, three good performances between now and the end of the season, they should get should get enough points. Yeah, they should do. I mean, it'd be interesting. So they've got in a couple of weeks the uh, the quarterfinal of the UEFA Conference League. Yeah. Sort of. I wonder. Well, because I think they're they're the favourites with the bookies out to win that tournament in terms of the the other teams still left in it. But you wonder oh, really? if 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 they'll be thinking, you know, let's let's fuck this off and make sure that we stay up. <laughs> you know, let's just make sure we get enough points. They've well, got. Question for yeah. for you yeah. on that. If you're a West Ham fan, do you take being relegated if you win that trophy? No, I'll no, I, I don't. I don't think it's worth it for a crack at the Europa League next season. Like it's hardly, uh, yeah, hardly worth the effort, is it? Day out in a final in Europe. I know it's a West Ham fans. You know, you never know what they're like. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, it's one of those though that it's, it's easy sort of sit and say, oh yeah, they should just, you know, knock that on the head and concentrate on the league. But then on the flip side of it, it can give you, you know, if you, if you can get into the habit of winning games, which they've not done an awful lot of this season, that could be quite handy as well. Yeah, but they've, they've, they've been brilliant in Europe, really, haven't they? I, I mean, I don't know mm. the calibre of teams they've played, but result-wise, they've always looked very good. Um every game but it just I mean, uh, transfer into the Premier League the thing is they've got quite a quite a big squad in terms of like they haven't just got like 11 and then a load of subs like they've got quite a few players like swapping out I mean they've got Ings Antonio and Skamaka as uh, as you know dying for one ball position yeah Um, you know Ben Rama Bowen Four Niles um, Lanzini I think still uh, Rice Suchek. Um, you know there's quite a lot of 
attack on players there. Um, they should be better than where they are on the table, but um, it just hasn't worked out for them this year for whatever reason. Yeah, I, mean, I feel, yeah, it's just, it's it's a strange one. Um, I, this is where I thought they would be two seasons ago, a year and a half ago. Um, it turns out I was right, just um, <laughs> two years too late. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think they'll have enough to stay up, so I think it shouldn't be too much of a, an issue. Um, right, last game of the weekend, Dave. Um, what no surprise your back up this one, eh? Oh, jeez. But <laughs> uh, a 2-0 win at Man United. Um, and I believe you said yesterday it was actually a very good performance as well. Yeah, it was, it was good as we played. Probably all, all season, to be quite fair with you. It was, uh, should have been more than two, to be quite fair, to be honest. We absolutely dominated from more or less the first whistle. We obviously played quite a high intensity style. Um, Man United just didn't look up for it in the slightest. Um, they had very limited threat, um, very few shots on goal, um, very little to worry us really, which was obviously great news. Um, we took a while to get that first goal and you know, start to think, oh, it's going to be one of these days where we just can't score. Um, eventually, Willock got a chance he couldn't miss, haven't missed <laughs> two, two quite good edge chances before that. But... Um, I thought it was quite quite telling, really, that even Man United couldn't really complain about the result because they were just they were just outplayed from the start. Um, I was a bit worried how was season Peter out after we'd lost the Carabao Cup final, we'd lost well not one, maybe two or three games before that in the league. Um, we now come back with three wins on the spin and with third. Um, after that, Tottenham failing to win again tonight. Um, we're looking very good for a top four finish now if we can just keep the momentum going for a bit longer yeah absolutely I mean it's, it's, it's the one game of all you needed to, to ensure you won um, because you, since was it just before the international did you win two in a row before the international break is that right yeah it was and forest after the like dodgy bit of form that you had went on, so it's nice to pick up that win again right after an international break, um, which could have come at a worse time almost for yourselves, really, with the form. And then, yeah, to beat Man United, who were obviously challenging you for that four top four slot, and then as you mentioned, Spurs not winning tonight. It's, um, yeah, it's a good, good little boost for um, upcoming fixtures. Just pulling up those, and uh, you'll probably know better than me, Dave. Away to West Ham next, away to Brentford, away to Villa, three away games in a row. Oof. Um, yeah, so. And then I mean, that'll be a massive game coming up as well. The Villa and then the Spurs game. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we've got West Ham uh, midweek this week to our, to our game in hand. Um, again, just in this little bit, of, little bit earlier, but. Saw nothing from West Ham yesterday. It made me think, oh, I'm really looking forward to playing them. Um, famous last words, I know, but kind of look at the, look at the two performances from the two teams on Sunday, and it, it you know should obviously favour ourselves. Um, Brentford away and Villa away, are nasty games. Not not overly keen on them. Would take a point in both, to be quite fair. Um, 
But then after that, it's, it's Spurs, which is <laughs> the biggest game really for us right now. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you can if you can win that, that's so it's a six pointer, isn't it? Um, Spurs have done a really odd thing, obviously, of sacking the manager, which isn't odd because he was an idiot, but sacking yeah. him and then just not replacing him, which I always find really odd. Like Southampton have done it and pretty much consigned themselves to relegation. Um, <laughs> granted, presumably anyone is better than Nathan Jones, but um, Spurs, I'm really surprised, haven't appointed someone because I can't see their caretaker manager inspiring them to finish fourth. Um, I was just watching them there tonight and they were fairly drab. Um, but that's not my problem. So we'll see how that plays out. But um, I'm, I couldn't be happier at the minute. I think we're obviously in a great position to get that top four place. Uh, and if we do, it kind of unlocks the next level of spending for us. So we could get a much better calibre of player for Champions League football than we could for Europa League football. That's a, it's a scary prospect of what you could um, what you could come up with there. Um, Simon, much to add on that game? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I agree with, with what David said. I thought well, Tottenham, uh, Newcastle were, were excellent from start to finish. Um, I mean, Man U, you look at... I mean, Casemiro must be a much better player than, than we all think he is. We all think he's a good player because they look a completely different team when he's not playing. And to be fair, Man U this season, they, in the away games they've played against the top 12, they've only won one, and that was at Fulham. They've even lost or drawn every other game. They've played away from home against the top 12 this season, which... It makes it kind of actually incredible that they are in the position they're in <laughs> to to have that that bad away records. But yeah, they've uh, they, they weren't good. But I, it's kind of it's, it's it's one of those that more often, quite often when when you have a result like that, the focus is on oh god, you know, Manu didn't play well at all. Saying that with our result on the weekend, people saying oh Chelsea didn't play well. They didn't play well because. Chelsea play well because we didn't allow them to play well. Man, you didn't play well because Newcastle were excellent yesterday. It's, you know, I think most teams would have struggled to get to, uh, against them the way they were playing yesterday. And like you say, they 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 should have been more than two. They, you know, arguably the game could have been done at half time. Really, that's that's a number of decent chances, but just the that first goal, there was. There was some real quality behind that. I mean, he he's acted really, really well. Found Bruno with a lovely ball, and then even then, I think a lot of people when they had the ball given to them in the position Bruno was in at that stage in the game may have just had to swing at it. But he just a clever little dink to the back post, a lovely header back from Saint Maximum, and, and Winnick is still he's still making the runs. You know, he's missed a couple in the first half, but you know instead of just. It, sort of you know getting a bit down by that he's still making those runs in and yeah they the intensity they played with was really really good I, I kind of I agree with Dave I thought that they were going to peter away a little bit but they, they've obviously you know got the three wins in a row I do think the, these next three away games for them 
I, I think I, I would probably determine whether they finish top four or not. I think if they if they can come away with five or six points, I think I, I think that they'll I think they'll be enough to to sort of help them over the line because after those three away games, they've kind of got a nice little running. Then after that, I think the only other game you'd say I'm maybe Arsenal at home, depending on, on how it is, but every other game they've got is, is against um, teams that are even down in the relegation fight or just not in a good run of form at the moment. So, yeah, I think after they, their game against us, which is the third of the three away games, I, I think you will have a really strong idea of, of, of what European competition they'll be playing in next season. That's it, yeah, that's the risk. Maybe that's why they were waiting on the January ones rather than putting all the the eggs into one basket where you could actually wait and see what um, what comes up, you know, because it'll open, as you mentioned, Dave, it'll open up a whole new pool of players. I think so. Um, I think we've all been surprised at how quick it's happened. We didn't, you know, we haven't spent like what Chelsea spent, for example. We spent well and we haven't spent, no, we haven't spent anything, but we've spent well we have bought. Um I just want to mention Man United and, and Ten Hag briefly as well. Like, is he really any better than what Solskjaer was doing for them? Like, I think like every, every time they play, they're doing quite badly, and then he makes a sub, and then they win the game, and it's just exactly what Solskjaer was doing. Um, but Balder, that's pretty much all I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're still uh, four, they're fifth, they're fifth now after tonight after tonight's result. Like. And then people have got him pegged as this sort of man of the year candidate. Like, has he really done that great? I think they obviously they had a really poor start to the season, but then to be fair, for quite a few months, I think they they only lost like one or two games in about four or five months. But the they've started to ever since they they got that spanking at Anfield in the week. The they've kind of. That seems like he's really kicked the stuffing out of them, and they've not really recovered from that. And I've looked really, really poor in the game since. Um, I mean, we sort of touched upon it a bit earlier when we were talking about Fulham. Their FA Cup game against them, they were so fucking lucky that that Fulham mm. just went mental for for two minutes because Fulham battered them for seventy minutes in that game. And yeah, it's a kind of a few weeks ago there was. I mean, I thought ludicrous talk of them being involved in some sort of title race. But a few weeks ago, you, you were looking at them going, yeah, they'll comfortably finish top four. You, I'm not so sure. Other than the fact that Tottenham are, are such a mess, you kind of do think that United, uh, the man you will, will finish up in there. But I get, I get the point. I get the point that you're making with Tenag. I don't think he's he's been this sensational genius turnarounds in, in fortunes that that some ex Manchester United players who, who work for certain media outlets would have you believe. <laughs> but um but I do I I, I do and there's work still quite a bit of work to be done. And that you know there's a number of there's a number of positions in that squad that, that do need massive upgrading. But I do think that they've got a, a manager who who if he's given if he's given the right sort of investment, I, I do I do think Ten Hag is a good manager and 
I would expect to see a, a more of an improvement as well next season, provided that there is that investment. That's yeah. probably fair. Yeah. I think he's uh, he's obviously a good manager, but I think he's been overhyped with what he's. Uh, yeah, definitely, well. definitely. Yeah. And the, way, the way he's gone on about us is ridiculous, considering his team were time waste for the seventh minute yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, which shit housing's a part of the game. Well, it is, and we're quite good at it. I mean, I I I, I respect it. I mean, we've in in, in Emmy Martin as nationally young, we've got two absolute masters of so. <laughs> I was going to say you, you couldn't really disagree there, Simon. Cooper, Absolutely not. A figure with a Right, boys, that brings us to the end of the games this week. Uh, Simon, I'll come to you. Let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, on Twitter uh, at Sorry Regan for Villa fans, the Holtcast podcast, which is a very, very happy, positive podcast <laughs> these days, and the website 7500toholt.com. Uh, and Dave, for yourself, have you had time to be working on anything at the moment? Um, well, we've still got the blogs running on uh, uk, but. Otherwise, it's slim pickings at the minute. It's this podcast and that. So make the most of it. Uh, perfect. And you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Uh, Chris and the gang will be back on Friday with extra time. And we will be back next week, as always, with some combination. I believe Carl said he's away, actually. So uh, hopefully we'll be the three of us again. Um Keep your eyes peeled for the Premier League 11 draft podcast, which hopefully should be out this week, uh, whenever Ross gets around to that. Um, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, you should have seen the, the teams online now, so you will see how they were pieced together. Um, but, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Cheers, Ali. Thank you at home for listening. And always remember, keep your man in the post.